It's great to hear the sounds of the kids in the room. I've got a conflict that I need your help with. It's a conflict that's in our home, and I think it's something that every one of you has an opinion on, and I'd like your help. Maybe you can help solve this conflict for us. And here it is. Do you open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yes. Just yes. Some of you are afraid to venture an opinion on that because you're seated near your spouse and there may be, may be some issues there. But I'm, I'm sure none of you have that issue in your home, although just to clear the air, statistics says number one is Christmas morning, just, uh, just to let you know that. But no matter when you open your gifts, we're gathered here on Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Obviously, our kids understand that, don't they? Didn't you love that video? I mean, that was just awesome to hear those kids. And they've been learning about the birth of Jesus all month. But the Bible uses a name. You've heard that name several times throughout this service. And I just want to share with you just for a moment about that name. The Bible calls him Emmanuel. We read about him. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Now, I want you just to understand that this verse was written 750 years before Jesus was born. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and verse 23, we read this, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, meaning Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, it's this time of year, we call it the Christmas season, and it's a time when we talk a lot about believing. You'll hear people talk about believing as it relates to Santa Claus or the reindeer or elves. But what about the Christmas story? Not the one about Ralphie and his Red Rider BB gun. Not that one. But the biblical account of Jesus' birth. What about that? What do we believe about that? Do we believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Do we believe that Jesus, when he was born, was laid in a manger? Do we believe that the angels announced his birth? That the magi were guided by the star and brought their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? How do people perceive God today in what they believe? I came across a book this past year called America's Four Gods by Paul Frazee and Christopher Bader. And they reduced what Americans believe about God down to the answers to two particular questions. And those questions are these. Number one, does God interact with the world today? And does God judge the world? And people's answers make up four particular different views that they have about God. View number one is the authoritative view of God, that God is very involved in the world. He's extremely judgmental of our lives. 
He's able to inflict punishment on both the just and the unjust. We see examples of this throughout the Old Testament when God judged often very harshly, even causing death. God interacts, and yes, he judges according to the authoritative view of God. View number two is the benevolent view of God. In this view, we see that God is deeply involved, that he's loving but not stern. We get to know him through a personal relationship. God is there for us in case someone else isn't. We see an example of this in Jesus' words, his own words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, where it says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God interacts, but he does not judge. The third view of God is the critical God. He's removed from daily life and events of our lives. He awaits to pass final judgment on all. He punishes offenders eventually. And God's disappointment is made known in the afterlife. We see examples of this in Scripture. We can use Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 where it says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. In the critical view of God, God doesn't interact, but he does judge. And then finally, the fourth view of God is the distant view of God. He does not interact. He's not especially angry. He set the universe in motion, and then he walked away from it. Benjamin Franklin said once that God doesn't care one bit for such an inconsiderable nothing as man. In the distant view of God, God doesn't interact and he doesn't judge. Tonight, wherever you find yourself in your view of God, whether you think of him as authoritative, benevolent, critical, or distant, we're here to celebrate one thing. And that one thing is not a season. It's not even a holiday or a tradition. It is the truth that God sent his son Jesus, Emmanuel, God, with us. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. He said, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God's son, Jesus, put on human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Not to be authoritative, not to be benevolent, not to be critical, not to be distant, but to be present. Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to know this Christmas Eve that he identifies with your life. He identifies with your experience. You say, how can God in the flesh possibly identify with my experience? Let me share just a couple of quick thoughts. First of all, 
his family didn't support him. In John chapter 7, verse 5, it says, For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Jesus' brothers did not believe that he was the Savior of the world. Even though he healed the lame, he opened the eyes of the blind, he opened the ears of the deaf, he raised the dead. They went as far as to say they thought he was crazy. In Mark chapter 3, verse 21, we read the words of his family, he is out of his mind. They tried to intervene. They tried to take him home like that one special relative we have at our family gatherings that might embarrass themselves and someone says, here, let me take you home. Talk about not supporting your family. You know, Jesus also faced real temptation, not just the simple kind that we face on a daily basis, Especially this time of year, should I have two or three of those special cookies right now? But we read in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1, that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. This is the kind of temptation that literally causes us to question our own existence, and Jesus faced that, something that you and I have never gone through. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but Jesus was homeless. Some of you have lived in a car before. Some of you have lived on someone's couch, maybe even for a few months. In Luke chapter 9, verse 58, it says, Fox, Jesus says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a home. He traveled from place to place. He was transient. He didn't even have money to pay his taxes. Jesus was also betrayed by a friend. Judas Iscariot, one of his 12, his closest friends, his disciples, Jesus spent three years teaching him. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 15, we read a question that was asked by the religious leaders, or excuse me, of, uh, it was asked by Judas, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out 30 pieces of silver. Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. And you say, how much money was 30 pieces of silver at that time? It was the equivalent of about four months of salary. Can you put a price tag on friendship? Jesus was abandoned by his friends. When Jesus was arrested, they scattered. Not just one of them, but all of them. We read in Matthew 26 that all the disciples desert, deserted him and fled. It hurts when we're abandoned. People we thought were our friends who weren't, people that walked away from us in our time of need. That's why we can call Jesus Emmanuel because he experienced life like you and like me. He came, put on flesh, and is God with us. He grieved when his friend Lazarus died. People talked about him behind his back. He suffered for doing what was right. 
He was publicly shamed. He was criticized. He was mocked. Unlike you, unlike me, however, Jesus never sinned. He remained sinless. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. You see, our sin separates us from God. But Jesus came to take our sin on himself so that we could come to God. He came to us because we could not go to him. We were powerless to do so. Romans 5, 6 says that, you see, as ju at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We're powerless physically. We're powerless morally to get to God, to bridge the gap between us and God. We're powerless to get to God on our own. Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us, that we might come to the Father. There's a, there's a Christmas show that we often watch from the 50s. Charlie Brown's Christmas, do you recall it? And in that Christmas special, Charlie Brown asks this question. Is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And Linus gave Charlie the answer. And Linus quoted Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 and other verses as well when he said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The answer to that question is, he is Emmanuel, God with us. So whatever you're going through today, whatever challenge you're facing, whatever pain you are enduring, God sent his son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He sent him to earth so that he could bring us to the Father. He didn't send him to be authoritative. He didn't send him to be benevolent. He didn't send him to be critical or distant, but simply to be present. God with us. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 tells us that God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I hope this Christmas you are ready to meet Emmanuel. I'd like you to take out the candles that you have been hopefully provided as you came in tonight. Before we sing this song, I just want to invite you to take just a moment and I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me
as we prepare in just a few moments to transition between this service and the activities that you have planned with family. Maybe you're here today and the chaos of life, the struggle and pain of life has has been almost more than you can bear. And tonight, you wonder maybe even what's really the purpose. And like Charlie Brown, you've asked yourself that question. Does anybody really know what Christmas is all about? And tonight, we've tried to communicate that Everything that has to do with Christmas is about the gift of God's Son, Jesus, Emmanuel. And so as we prepare to sing Silent Night, maybe things are not so quiet and peaceful inside in your heart and in your mind. And you've thought to yourself, I wish I knew who Jesus really was tonight it's my desire it's my prayer for you that before you leave this place that you will know who Jesus is in a very personal way and so on this Christmas Eve you may feel the knocking on the door of your heart by the Holy Spirit and if that's the case It's my hope that you'll simply say, Dear Jesus, I want to know you. I realize that Christmas is about Jesus. It's about Emmanuel, God with us, sending his son Jesus to earth to take on human flesh, to live for us, to take our sin on himself, to die on the cross for my sins. Father, I accept your son Jesus as my savior father I pray for the one that's praying that prayer even now God that they will come to know you in this moment as they reach out to you father I thank you and I praise you today because you are still moving in the lives of people. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you sing this song with us? I want to say thank you for joining us on this special Christmas Eve. I pray God's blessing upon you and on your family. I hope that you'll enjoy some coffee and some baked goods, some fellowship. What a great time to be able to be together. May God's blessing be on you. Father, I pray your blessing to be upon these folks tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Merry Christmas. God bless you.